Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 13 through 20. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand and gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter... Not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of these least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. You asking for another bag of popcorn? (laughs) Excellent. Um, Salt. What is salt used for in the ancient world? Does anyone know? Preservation. Preservation, right? To preserve food. Nobody had refrigerators. So in order to make things last, maybe they'd be salted. Uh especially you know, meat, which is a real luxury, uh, so things could last long. But the problem with, so salt was a very valuable commodity. If people wanted salt to last, you know what they would do with it? They'd add things to it, right? So, and it would make it last. And if you add something to the salt, and you try and use it, how's that salt going to work? Not too well, is it, right? You cut the essence of what it is, and so it can't do its job. Um, My wife and I have been to Haiti several times, not in many years, but if you remember the earthquake they suffered, I think it was 2009, 2010. Part of the reasons why it was so catastrophic from them is resources there are so poor, so when they build their homes, not only is there not really standards they need to meet, but when they make concrete, to make the concrete last, they cut it with sand. Which means now when you make that concrete, what's wrong with it? It's not nearly as strong as it should be, right? So now when it comes under this intense kind of pressure, it collapses. So things are cut. Salt was cut. I wonder, are there times in which we... I don't like the word to say as it's cut salt, to say cut our faith. Maybe, um, oh, someone thinks of a better word, let me know. Dilute, thank you very much. To dilute our faith. 
So it loses its power, not just over us, but over other people. Does anybody feel they have busy lives right now? <laughs> Absolutely, right? Lives are busy. Now, this could very easily turn into say no to something out there. So you make sure to say yes to things here at church, and that's not the direction I want to go. I don't think the answer for uh, the success of the church is to have bigger or better programs and for people to say no to a kid's activity or a family activity to make sure that you hear more often. Rather, I think what we need to think about is how do we do all of these other activities in more faith-based ways or in a faith-based lens? Does that make sense? Because I enjoy my kids playing games or activities or drama or whatever it might be. But I also want to make sure that a coach that they have has some good priorities to go along with it as well. Does that make sense? Right? How many people uh, have a job that isn't maybe Christian per se? Really, all of you have Christian jobs? You work for a Christian company? <laughs> or is there a way in which you do your job in which your faith can influence you. Does that make sense? How often, though, do what we, what we say is we keep them separate, and business is business, church is church, and faith is faith. And we keep them separate sometimes. Does that happen? How do we let one influence the other? That is more about what I mean. When How do we not dilute our faith? but be, do better about how our faith influences the rest of our lives. Because I think that is what the world really needs. There's a great quote about Luther, and I've used it before. It's actually, I probably use it more than any other quote by Luther, and I'm going to use it here again. And Luther's talking about vocation, and he's talking about life, and he uses the example of a shoemaker. Right now, we don't have really shoe. When's the last time you were at a shoemaker? A cobbler, right? Not too often. I know they have cobblers still around, but we don't go very often. But this is the example he uses. And what Luther says is a sh Christian shoemaker isn't a Christian shoemaker because he makes a shoe and puts a little cross on it. A Christian shoemaker is a Christian shoemaker because he makes a quality shoe and sells it at a fair price. You see the difference there? You could put a cross on a shoe that is a pretty low-quality, dumpy shoe, right? And does it really matter if you put a cross on that? What does that tell the rest of the world? What if, you were to do our, what if we were to do our life in a different way, where we make something quality and we sell it at a fair price? What would that mean in how you do your job? What would that mean in how you, what you volunteer for or how you volunteer? Does that make sense? I don't know where I heard this from, and I really liked it, and it took me a while to uh, fully understand it. But they were talking about the future of the church and how do we get more people, so to speak. And I had a friend, um, I'm assuming it was a friend, say the church will be full when the church is empty. The church will be full when the church is empty. And I think, to me, what that means is when you aren't here, when the church is empty, right? When you leave from this place, 
what does it mean for the rest of your life as you go from here? What are ways in which we are salt and light in the world? Because can we say the world needs a little bit of help right now? There is too much anger, correct? There is too much hatred, correct? There is too much violence, poverty, homelessness. Do I need to get going? Keep going. Depression, anxiety, despair. How do we, as people of faith, engage in these things when we're not around this place? If that's what Christians are known for, wouldn't that be great? If that's what we, when people thought of someone who is of the Christian faith, you know what they do? They work for peace. They are the first ones on the lines to stand up for injustice. They are the first ones to say people are being oppressed. They are the first ones that have hope. Oh, wouldn't that be good? What if they are the first ones to make a difference? Because there's something different about them. There's a joy that seems to be lacking. Not happy, let's be clear about that. I'm not happy all the time, are you? I hope to be content. There's a difference there, right? I hope to have joy. What if we were those to be known for that? Do you think our churches might be a little more full? Because isn't that what people are craving in their lives? What if Christians are the first ones to be known for authentic, honest relationships? What if Christians were known for exposing the truth? Oh, to me, that's what it means to be salt and light. To me, that's what it means to fill the world with color and beauty and flavor. To me, that is what I know I need. I believe you need. I believe that's what the rest of the world needs. I believe that is what Christ has called us to. And I think that is the future of the church. Not necessarily, first and foremost, pulling people in. Right? So this is where you spend most of your time. I've been victim to that. My wife and I, it seemed like every night another one of us had another activity at church. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but that also then prevents you from doing what? Interacting with the rest of the world, doesn't it? Might sound a little ironic to have a pastor say, it's okay to say no to church. <laughs> but then what are we saying yes to? Does that make sense? And then in the end, are we really saying no to church? Or are we saying yes to church, to our faith in a different way, in a different light? a way that might have a real lasting impact on the world. It might have a real lasting impact on you and on me. So as you go out today, may you be salt and light. May you interact with things that are hurting or broken or scared. May those parts of you that are hurting and broken and scared be interacted with also. Do 
you may be flavored and colored with the beauty of God's love. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.